Hello and welcome to Beauty Island, the award-nominated beauty podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I am your host, beauty journalist Brittany Stewart. In case you are new here or you just need a little refresh, each episode I sit down with a guest and ask them about the eight beauty products that have a special memory or meaning for them, the ones they take to a desert island or beauty island that I am sending them off to. Maybe it's the first beauty product they ever bought, the one that gives them their signature look, or the perfume that instantly sparks a memory of a special place or person. Along the way, we find out more about their life, career, and the people and events that have shaped them into who they are today. Today, my guest is skincare enthusiast, makeup artist, and educator, Amelia Singson. With almost 15,000 followers on Instagram, if you follow her already, she's likely to have influenced you to buy a beauty purchase or three. If you aren't yet, well, ready your wallet. We talked about coming back from Eva Mendes-inspired super thin eyebrows as a teen, the pressure to have good skin when you're educating others on theirs, her top tips to finding the perfect foundation for your skin type, and finally, why you should consider putting blush on your nose. Hear her out on that one. If you enjoy this episode, please rate five stars and write a review on Apple Podcasts or hit that subscribe button on Spotify if you haven't already. Or you can recommend to a friend or many friends or strangers, I'm not faster, by sharing a screenshot on your Instagram story. Just tag at Beauty Island Podcast so I can see. As an independent podcaster, those things really help more people to discover the podcast so I can keep making it for you. I also have a regular beauty newsletter called It's a Beauty. The link to sign up is in the show notes. Now over to Amelia. Enjoy. Amelia, welcome to Beauty Island. I'm very excited to be going through your beauty journey with you today. Thank you so much, Brittany. I'm so excited to be here. When you kind of cast your mind back and think about that first beauty memory, what is it that jumps out to you? What was that early, early memory of beauty? I think for me, it was being very little and kind of following my mum into the bathroom while she got ready in the morning. That was my favorite thing to do was just to watch her put on her makeup. And I have very vivid memories about that and just watching her, <laughs> her transformation. I just love that. <laughs> and I love that The first and second products on your list kind of are linked because the first one is one of the ones that you grew up watching your mum use, which was an eyelash curler. And I love that one of the first products that you bought for yourself ended up also being an eyelash curler, albeit a pink glitter one, which is a very important distinction. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So mum had um, her very fancy metal eyelash curler and I, I always wanted to try it because I could see what it did for her eyes. And, you know, growing up, in an Asian family, we all have very straight eyelashes. And so when you use an eyelash color, it makes such a transformation. And so that was why when we went to the shops one day, I saw that pink little one. I was like, okay, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> I mean, it seems a little bit different now, but I think particularly when we were younger, our teens and early 20s are kind of prime for that beauty experimentation. Was there kind of a celebrity or a figure that you were looking to emulate or what kind of exciting looks or trends can you remember trying that maybe you wouldn't so proudly show the pictures today? Oh, okay. There are a few, but the main one, I tell this story a lot because this was the reason why I had such terrible eyebrows in high school. Um, I 
loved the like South American, Latina actresses in movies. And in Too Fast, Too Furious, there is Ava Mendez. And <laughs> I could see you smiling like you know. <laughs> so Ava Mendez just had those very skinny, archy eyebrows. She had the glorious tan. Um, the movie's set in Miami, so it's all just like bronzy skin. And um, I really, really wanted to look like her. And so I tweezed my brows within an inch of their life. And, yeah, the resulting brows were just not great, not great. So yeah, I think I would then connect them with eyeliner because I didn't have brow pencil. So I would just kind of fill them in the best way that I knew how. And it was a disaster. (laughs) Obviously I'm looking at you now and you have like lovely full brows. Was this with those kind of pencil thin brows, something you maintained for a while, or I'm just trying to understand the bounce back because that doesn't often happen. (laughs) Um, I realized my mistake very, very quickly. So it was a matter of months because we got our school photos back and I saw my brows and you know, when you're, you're tweezing them or when you're doing things on your face, you don't really know what you look like until you take a step back and you realize And so that was what happened with the school photos. So I got them back. I went to my mum and I was like, how? How did you let me do this? And she was like, well, you just like, you were not going to take my advice if I said don't tweeze your eyebrows. So I just let you do it so that you could see what the outcome was. (laughs) So thankfully, I stopped tweezing them. And within, I think it was going from year nine into year 10, my brows grew back. So very, very lucky. An important lesson, I think, got out the way early. So you had time to recover from that. And in the summer of um, year 10, I actually had a new celebrity that I wanted to um, emulate. And that was Anne Hathaway in Princess Diaries. And you can, you remember in that movie, she has like slightly fuller brows and she has a really lovely transformation. I was like, okay, those are the brows that I want. So that's... Now, obviously, beauty has become your career. Was that always the case? Was that always what you were aiming for? Or how did that kind of realisation, it's what you wanted to do for work, come about? Um, So I was actually in university and I was in the beginning stages of a teaching degree. And in that time, I think it was uh, uni holidays, I was doing absolutely nothing with my time like just stayed in the house all day and mum was like, you need to get a job. Like You cannot be here all day. So she kind of just sent me out and was like, just go find a job. And I applied to a bunch of places and the team at Mecca very kindly gave me a job, me with my zero social skills, zero experience in beauty. They (laughs) brought me on as a Christmas casual and that was kind of where it started. I found that while I was at uni, any break that I had, I would pop into the store and I kept going to see my team and just kind of hang out there. And then after a while, I just kind of realized that I didn't want to be at uni. I just wanted to be in beauty and doing makeup. And I was going to say most makeup artists do tend to get their start working either whether it's on a counter or with a particular brand. So obviously you started at Mecca. Tell me a bit about kind of those those early years once you'd realized you wanted it to be your career and kind of how you find yourself where you are now. Well, it was interesting because I I think I got into it because I was trying to find solutions to my own beauty problems and dilemmas. I wanted to know how to do makeup for myself. And then obviously while being in that store environment and being with customers, I realized that I really liked that one-on-one interaction. I liked that I could make 
people feel good about themselves with just, you know, small things, you know, like a concealer or a lipstick. It could make somebody, you know, feel amazing. It could completely change their day. And yeah, and I think in that environment, I just decided that I wanted to make it a profession. So I decided to leave uni and do my diploma in makeup artistry. And then obviously, while I was working at Mecca, I was able to pick up different tips and tricks and styles and just expand my skill set as a makeup artist. You were doing the diploma, still working at Mecca. And what Mm. happened after? So the diploma went for one year. Um, In that time, I'd already been doing a little bit of freelance, um, but I continued to stay with Mecca for about five years. And then I, um, in that time, I also moved from Canberra to Sydney. And while I was there, I decided to go to New York for a few months um, on my own and just kind of see what that was like, see what the makeup styles were over there. And I kind of had it in my head that I wanted to move back and be, you know, an editorial makeup artist and all that kind of thing. But then I returned to Sydney completely broke and reality set in that it just was not going to happen. (laughs) So I started working at MAC and then continued to kind of expand my skill set and just yeah, just enjoy being a makeup artist. But then fast forward, like, how many years has it been now? About five years. I would say that I probably don't do quite as much freelance in terms of like being with clients one-on-one. I do love doing weddings still, but I think it's more for me about sharing and educating with people when it comes to beauty. Which is a nice kind of slight nod to what you originally thought you were going to do when you were studying teaching. Like education has still been a big part of what you do. Yeah, and that's why it's just so funny to me that it has come full circle because I remember being this 19-year-old who was just so desperate to get out of Canberra and not be tied down to, you know, one profession. I think for me when I was growing up, I just I saw people kind of leaving school and then either going to university or joining the public service and <laughs> getting a government job. And I was adamant that I was not going to be doing that. And so, you know, in trying to escape that, I've kind of just come full circle and, and ended up doing what I started to in the beginning. And so, like you said, yeah, I just, I love educating people. And it's just so funny that it's come all the way back around. <laughs> Before we leave teenage Amelia behind, I want to hear a bit more about the third product on your list, which is the product that kind of define your teens, which for you was eyeliner. So tell me a bit about what you were wearing or how you were wearing it. Oh, okay. So the eyeliner was just, it was different colors, different ways. So we know that in year nine, I was using it in my eyebrows as a brow pencil. In year seven, it was a sparkly, glittery, metallic, silver, chunky eyeliner, um, because this was the year 2000. And I was kindly gifted one by my auntie. And I used to just kind of slick that on. Um, What else was there? There was glitter eyeliners. There was glitter eyeliners as well. And then the same eyeliner that I used in my brows in year nine, I also used to do what I now realize was me trying to do a cut crease. And I used to kind of draw a line up here and then like smudge it. So that was a good time. And then it wasn't until after my teens that I discovered what a cat eye was. And that was a whole other game. <laughs> you obviously mentioned sharing great products that you're finding and tips and things and how to, how to use them is a big part of what you love. And I do have a question for you because obviously on Instagram, you do talk a lot about skincare products that you're trying and liking and recommending. And I'm curious because I kind of have the same question for myself is how you find the balance between trying new things because obviously it's exciting to try new things and also your audience wants to hear about new products. But also when we think about 
when beauty isn't your job, the whole point of trying different skincare is to find the products that work for you. So for you, if you find the ones that work for you, how do you balance kind of keeping that and maintaining that while also trying new things? Because it seems to be, you know, obviously it's that elusive journey that we're just trying to find the ones that work for you. But for you, that's not where it ends. You've still got to keep up the other side of things as well. Yeah. So I find that balancing that I, so I know that my skin type is combination airing more towards the side of dehydration. So I know what products work for me. So then that allows me to, when trying new products, know what I can try and what I maybe shouldn't try. So, you know, if I have different types of masks in front of me and there's one that's better for congested, you know, breakout prone skin and there's another one that's going to be better for hydration, then I know that I'm going to be looking towards the hydrating one more and that's the one that I'll be talking about. So I kind of stay within my limits. Um, I'm not going to be sitting there trying um, moisturizer. That's for somebody who has, you know, a lot of breakouts or, you know, a lot of sensitivity if that's not for me. So I think that's kind of how I get to try these products but I don't do something that's completely out of my skin scope. When we're thinking about kind of your current skincare regime, are there any particular products you're loving at the moment or are you generally speaking because obviously it's always changing, but when you do say your average nighttime skincare routine, are you the kind of person that looks for a few key products or do you like to take the time to kind of expand it to a few more steps? What's kind of the average I want to say step count that's not the right word <laughs> but um how many steps are in your skincare regime would be a, a more concise way of asking what I'm trying to ask <laughs> let me think um okay so cleansing is a two-step process always so I'll always be using either an oil or a balm to remove the bulk of my makeup and sunscreen and then I'll use something like a gel to remove the remainder of it so two steps to there um always a toner. Sometimes I get breakouts and so I will be using one that's more, a little bit more astringent or I'll generally go for one that's more hydrating. And then depending on if the toner is hydrating, then I will usually use an essence. So that'll be my kind of first treatment step. Then I'll follow it with a serum, an oil, a moisturizer, and then sometimes an eye cream. Eye cream I don't always use, although I do find that it is good for me. It's kind of just like I get to that point where I'm at the end and I'm like, can I really be bothered now? <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's quite a few steps, but they always it's always those steps. And then I'll just kind of interchange between different products that I'm liking at the moment. And tell me a bit more about Essence, because this is kind of a category of product that's kind of only in terms of like mainstream Western skincare is only in the kind of last few years. Um, but it's one of those ones that I was kind of very skeptical about I suppose just by the name essence it doesn't sound very kind of substantial but it's one of those ones that if your skin responds well to it it really does make a difference absolutely and I think um for me I I discovered essences maybe about three years ago four years ago now but I was still kind of like what when do I use it what is it for and so then when I realized that my skin responds to things that are more hydrating and quite light then I started incorporating it into my skincare um the first essence that really kind of changed my opinion of them for me was the Murad hydrodynamic quenching essence and I was introduced to it because I had started working for them and so the product was there in my kit and I was like okay I'm going to use it and my skin just responded to it so well and um, I was able to use an essence as a serum on its own so sometimes you know like that's where it can be a little bit confusing because you can see it as a fluff step kind of like a toner it's like well do I really need it but then you use it and you get 
all these hydrating benefits and you're like, okay, well then, you know, do I just use it as a treatment? So I think for me, I like that I can layer it with other products. I find that it, it, it is a prep step. So I'll use it to kind of get my skin nice and hydrated and then I'll go in with other products that are a little bit more active maybe and just start to layer them on. Now, the fourth product on your list is the perfume that has a special memory for you and for you. It is a bit of an iconic one. It's Calvin Klein CK1. Tell me about your your memories with this one. So I thought, you know, I, I am a fragrance lover and I have a lot of beautiful perfumes that have a lot of memories, but that one for me is a an iconic one because my mum in the 90s, she worked um, at David Jones and she would bring home the little fragrance samples. And I remember CK1 had just come out. And so she brought home this cute little vial and it was like a, I think I would say it was like a matte silver <laughs> tube of CK1. And she gave it to me. And so I brought it to school and I was so excited by it. We also had the perfume at home. So I would get my, sneak my little spritz in. <laughs> Mind you, I was in year three, so I don't know what I was doing. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it started young with me in beauty, so <laughs> this little eight-year-old sneaking in her perfume. And um, I took the vial with me to school, and then it promptly went missing. And I learned that one of my classmates had taken it from me, and so I never forgot about that, that my classmate took my perfume vial. <laughs> you don't um, get over that very easily. <laughs> oh, no, I was I was dirty about it. I'm still dirty about it. How dare she? But you know what? She probably smells nice now, so it's fine. <laughs> but, yeah, that fragrance was just so iconic, and the fact that it was kind of unisex as well. I feel like it just kind of shaped my childhood. It's just like if I smell it now, it just takes me right on back to the 90s. It's so good. As with kind of any makeup artist or anyone working in beauty now, social media plays a really important part of that. That Whether it's a, a hobby or a job, it plays a really important part. Um, and obviously one of the great things about that is kind of the two-way communication that you can get. You know exactly what your followers are interacting with or what they want to know about, no, no, want to know from you. So I'm curious, do you kind of see a trend or a, or a pattern in the most common question or query that kind of lands in your DMs? product or subject that people are really curious about learning more from? I think that it's become a lot more about skin in the last few years, but I'm also finding that Instagram and the interactions that I'm having with people on there is very much the same as what I had when I was working on counter and in store. It's that people coming are coming in for a solution for them. It, it, you are helping them. And so they're coming to you saying, you know, my skin has a few spots here and there or my skin feels tight like what do you recommend what do you recommend and that's why when it comes to my own skin and my own makeup techniques I'm really trying to just you know get my skin as good as it can be do my makeup in a way that is really you know soft and appealing to people because I want them to look at me and think okay well she knows what she's doing you know her skin's good maybe she'll be able to help me because I'm still trying to help people at the end of the day. It's not just me being like, okay, I'm going to use these serums to make myself look good and then just sit there and have nice skin and do nothing with it. You know, I'm wanting people to come to me and ask me those questions because I want to think that I can help them. So yeah, I, I do find that it's really just people asking about solutions for their skin. And I thought 
that was really interesting as well. I listened to your great episode of You Beauty that you did. And one of the things that you mentioned was kind of about sh- you're spending all this time and in investing and in, in educating yourself and others about your skin. That's You mentioned that's the reason that you like to wear your hair up so often, because if you're going to put all this effort into your skin, you want people to kind of be able to see it. I thought that was really interesting. And it does kind of lend itself to the kind of attitude you would have if you were still working in store, because you know, if you're seeking someone's advice on something, you want to see for yourself that they know what they're talking about. Absolutely. Even for me, when I go into stores um, and I'm, you know, seeking help, I, it's not that I'm, you know, I'm not judging anybody's skin or anything like that, but I know that years before when I would go in, I would be a little bit more hesitant if I saw that, you know, somebody's makeup was maybe not the same way that I would do it. Maybe it was just my own judgments at the time, but you know, I know that for me, when I'm presenting myself as somebody who would be an expert in an expert in beauty, I want to be presentable, you know, and I want to be approachable. So I want people to look at me and know that they can trust my my opinions and my judgments about beauty. But yeah, it's it's actually quite funny with the whole bun thing. It wasn't even me who just kind of decided that it would be a good idea to wear my hair back. It was actually my fiance who suggested it because. He's like, you know, when you wear your hair back, you can see your makeup a lot more and you can see, you know, your skin and you work so hard on it. So, you know, you just, I'm just saying like, don't, don't hide your face with your hair. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. And I'd, I'd already been, yeah, thank you. And I've been wearing my hair up a little bit, but I was always kind of just like, it was, you know, it was like a lazy bun thing, you know, you slick it back and you're like, okay, sweet. And then he pointed that out and I was like, oh, okay, actually, you know, that makes sense. And so then I've just continued to wear it like that most of the time. And it's, and it, it's true. Like people do see my skin a lot more and then they are more responsive to me when it comes to skin. And we do see there are certain brands or products that get a lot of love on social media. So I'm obviously you get to try a lot. So I'm curious what you think is one of the, if not the, but kind of a underrated product or brand that you think deserves a bit more love. For my personal use, I would say Murad, the brand that I um, that I work for, because I know that in the US it is a really big brand. Like I knew about them in 2008, so I've known about them for years, but I feel like a lot of people still kind of don't know about it. I feel like now they do, but it's still, you know, something that needs to be, I feel like people still need to kind of learn about it a little bit more. And it's funny because that was the first dermatologist-owned brand. So yeah, you Dr. Murad was a pioneer in a lot of ways. And um, yeah, so I would like to see that brand get a little bit more love. Oh, I don't even, there's some that I love that I don't even know exist anymore. Like there was a brand when I first started at Mecca and it's called Utoa and it's a Japanese brand. And I'm from memory, I think this is right. But Utoa was created by the son of Shuomura, the founder of that brand. And they did a really beautiful cleansing oil. They did the first grown-up eyelash curler that I ever used. And that was a really lovely one as well. The fifth product on your list is one you always repurchase, which for you is lip balm. Now, do you have a particular favorite that you love? Or obviously, it's one that feels nice, but it also obviously has a very solid purpose, which is a nice one. Yeah, I actually have it next to me. Um, It's the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Lano Lips 101 um, ointment in the minty. I think that, that that at the moment that's probably my favorite. Um, but I just I've learned that Lano Lips is a really great brand for me, and it's you know like I can always count on any of the balms from that brand to just make my lips feel really really good, really smooth, hydrated. 
and give me the finish that I want. I also quite like Blistex. I'm a bit of a lip balm hoarder. Like I love lip balms and it's, I think I am more brand specific now when I know that Lano Lips works for me. But if, if I'm in a shop where they sell lip balm, I'll usually end up in that little section, just kind of looking to see what else I can get. <laughs> but yeah, I would say that probably the Lano Lips would be the one that I go for. In terms of, we've spoken a lot about skincare. I'd love to ask you a bit more about makeup now. So obviously it is a bit different for you because you obviously have your personal makeup and then kind of your your professional makeup kit for when you are working. With your kind of personal makeup collection, are you someone who has, obviously you're trying lots of products, but your kind of go-to mainstay collection, is it more of a refined edit or do you like having lots of choice to play around with on your own face? Um, For my own look, I will have lots of choices, but they stay in their own lane. So my makeup look is glowy, it's minimal, and I'm doing quotation marks because I think it's minimal, but people will be like, girl, that's a lot of steps. (laughs) But it's glowy, there's always a brown eyeshadow, there's bronzer, there's a peachy blush, there's brow products for a fluffy brow, and then there's, you know, a pretty neutral lip. So, you know, that's the look that I stay in but then I'll pick and choose what brands I kind of bring in where I can just experiment and see how I can create the same look but just with different products and different brands. And I've heard you say that kind of foundation is one of your favorite categories and I think it's kind of because it is kind of the the base of of makeup at least it's a common query for people. You kind of have your go-tos but you don't necessarily always it can be difficult to find the foundation that really kind of gets your skin that kind of works with you on all levels. What is your your best tip for trying to find the best foundation that fits your face? Is there kind of a, a best test that you can do or a way to kind of really stress test out to see how it works? Because obviously, you know, we're able to get samples if you're, go, if you're shopping in store. But with some of the most spoken about foundations, I'm thinking about, you know, like George Armani and those more expensive foundations, it can be a big investment if you don't know that it's going to work for your skin. I would say that you've got to know your skin type. That's one of the most important things and and knowing what your needs are, so what your lifestyle is. So if you are somebody who works outdoors, you're a little bit more on the oily side and you know you are you don't have time to run to the bathroom to touch up your makeup, then when you are reading the description of the Armani Luminous Silk or if you're in store having a look at it and it's saying, you know, it's a glowy foundation that's medium coverage that doesn't have a terribly long wear time, then you're going to know, okay, that's not the one for me. But it might be for me when I'm in a different situation. So I think it's just knowing your skin and then just knowing the conditions that you're going to be putting it under to know what foundation to gravitate towards. Yeah, so there's some, you know, really beautiful full coverage matte foundations that in another life I would definitely want to use, but I know my skin and I just won't risk it. So, (laughs) yeah, I try to stay in my lane and I just, you know, I, I guess though, you know, it's different because makeup is a world where you can experiment. So you can definitely try different types of foundations, but I think that foundation is the one of the core products of your makeup routine so you know you want to pick something that's really going to be suitable for your skin and that's just going to make you look and feel really beautiful and just be natural and lovely (laughs) and do you have a go-to or a couple of go-to's I'm thinking more kind of in your professional kit where you are having to kind of on the ball cater to a few different types of skin types 
I love Mac. I've always loved Mac just because they have so many different types of foundations to choose from. They have different formulas that cater to different skins. So I know that I can always rely on like a studio fix fluid for most people. And I like that you can kind of manipulate the formulas as well to have them suit different skin types. Um, so Mac is always good for me. Um, I love the Anastasia Beverly Hills Luminous Foundation. That's a medium to full coverage foundation. It has a glowy finish, but it's not shiny. So it just kind of makes you look luminous without being uh, graceful. Um, so I love that one, especially for weddings, because, you know, it's the kind of foundation that you can really build up, but you don't ever feel or look cakey. Those are usually the kinds of foundations that I go for. So I have that kind of in my head, like I want it to be buildable. I want it to have a great wear time and I want it to make you look luminous without being terribly shiny. And then I'll kind of just have that and then see if I can find it from different brands. Um, and then I also like Too Faced, Born This Way. That's a really beautiful foundation as well. Um, but I also love having something like Fenty the matte foundation because it's just it's so good for somebody who has an oily skin type the sixth product on your list is a duo of products actually that are either your signature look or give you a bit of a confidence boost which for you is the anastasia beverly hills brow was set with the benefit 24 hour brow setter so tell me about those two products so it's a bit controversial to have those two together because <laughs> they are competitive brands, but I found that that combination just works really well for my brows. Um, so the brow base is just iconic. You know, it's a beautiful skinny pencil that you can take into the brow and just draw in really light hair-like strokes. Um, and I love that because my brows, you could see like they're, they're fuller, but they need a little bit of color. So I just, you know, use it for that. And then the Benefit 24-Hour Brow Set is just a really incredible clear brow gel that glues my brows in place. And, you know, they don't feel crunchy. They don't feel stiff or anything like that, but it really just holds them. And I'm somebody who likes to brush my brows up rather than across um, because I like that fuller look. And I've just found that, yeah, that gel is chef's kiss. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate endorsement. I love that. When we were talking about beauty a lot of the time, particularly when I'm talking to makeup artists, and I think everyone always wants to know the number one hack or the game-changing, life-saving life hack that will kind of do all those things. And I think of late, it's kind of, as, as we've also all become much more educated about makeup, that it's kind of hard to find one that really feels like fresh or new. But you did talk about one that I hadn't heard before that I love the sound of, which was the blush on the nose trick. Can you tell me a bit more about that and and why it's a good one to do? Because it's one of those things that you never think about it. But hearing you explain why, it was like, why haven't we been doing that before? That makes perfect sense. Something I've started to do recently, I just, I think I started doing it in the summer because I just found that it made me look like I'd been spending like a little bit of, you know, reasonable amount of time out, out in the sun. And I just looked a little bit more healthy because I'm used to just popping blush on my cheeks only and then using my bronzer as a product you know, that I'll put on my forehead, on my cheeks, and then on my chin. And I'm like, well, there's this center part of the face that I'm kind of neglecting. And I've been putting, you know, contour and highlight on there. And so it's looking, you know, imbalanced um, with the rest of my face and the colors that are on there. And so I just popped the blush on my nose and I thought, you know what, it just kind of brings it all together. And it's something the makeup artists have been doing for quite a long time. And I just had never adopted that 
you know, kind of technique of just putting it on the nose. But it makes such a difference. Like I did it this morning. I am puffy this morning and I am feeling, you know, really just like, oh, but I've got, you know, I popped the blush on my nose and I felt like it instantly woke up my face. So, yeah, I just, I love doing that. And I find that I don't need to contour my nose. Like I never needed to, but it's just something I've always done. Um, when I learned how to do it because I liked the look of it. But now that I just put blush on my nose, it's just, yeah, it's nice. And I just don't feel the need to wear as much makeup maybe because my face looks healthier overall. And where on the nose should it be, like, more specifically when we're applying it? It's Because it's not like an all-over all over nose application. So it's literally just in the centre. So you're not popping it on the tip of your nose. You're not popping it too far up between your brows or anything. It's literally just along the bridge, um, just in a small little area, and I just kind of blend it out on either side. And so, you know, it will kind of be like, you know, when you were popping zinc on as a child. It's kind of like that, but obviously just not that much. (laughs) (laughs) If you do that much, you've gone a bit too far. (laughs) Then we've gone a bit too far, and that's a whole other look. (laughs) We have obviously talked a lot about beauty, no surprise at the moment, but I'm curious about finding, discovering some of your kind of other loves or passions. Say, what would we find you doing on your ideal Sunday? What would be involved? Ideal Sunday starts with getting up, making the bed. I love making the bed. Um, If anybody follows me on Instagram, they will see like me and my stories doing before and afters of my bed. because it's just so satisfying, um, which is great for my partner. He's like, all right, cool. (laughs) You enjoy that? Um, And then I love to go and get brunch when we're allowed to. (laughs) So going out for a walk and then getting like a coffee and then sitting down for brunch, um, buying some fresh flowers, big lover of flowers, and maybe reading a book or just spending some time outdoors. I'm pretty... I can be pretty boring and I really love like my downtime and I find that I don't do a hell of a lot, but I just really enjoy it. Um, Yeah, just relaxing at home and just kind of being with my partner, my fiance and just chilling out, maybe watching some TV or something. And then also baking, not from scratch because I'm not about to, you know, put that kind of pressure on myself. (laughs) (laughs) But getting like a box of something that I can just bake cool that's perfect for me (laughs) when you think about your kind of relationship to beauty and and how it's changed over your life so far how do you kind of view it what is like your your most favorite part about beauty is it that transform transformative power or is it something else it used to be about the transformative power but I think now it's just about using beauty as an extension of just making you feel good about yourself I think particularly in the last few months with everything that's been going on, my relationship to beauty has has shifted. I've always been somebody who's kind of looked to makeup to, I don't know, just give my face a little bit more shape and, you know, make my eyes look a certain way. But I think since being at home and wearing a lot less makeup, I'm finding that I'm enjoying makeup more just to kind of, you know, just do little things like maybe use concealer to kind of, even out a little bit of redness that I might have or use a clear brow gel just to brush them up, but I'm not using a hell of a lot of eyeshadow or anything like that. So, yeah, I think it's just about, I think I like that the relationship to beauty in general has changed and that it's less about fully transforming yourself and more just about feeling good in your own skin 
I love that. More a celebration than a transformation of what's already there. Absolutely. We have reached the final two products on your list. So the seventh product I'm very curious about because it was the one or the few that you trust with your life that you couldn't quite decide on what you were going to pick with this. (laughs) So if you had to mention one or two products, it doesn't have to be the product, but one or two products that you would kind of don't have to be particularly glamorous, but just do the job very well and you would trust with your life, what would they be? I would say sunscreen, but it is kind of fancy. It's ultraviolet. Um, that was, yep, that's my favorite sunscreen ever. It's just got such an elegant formula. It's so beautiful. And I'm talking about the one that's in the dropper bottle, the serum. Um, Queen screen, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. It's it's just so luminous. And like I said, it's a very elegant formula. So it just feels really beautiful on the skin. And it's it's an exciting product to use, you know, when you have something that's beautifully packaged, that feels incredible, that smells lovely, you get excited to use it. And that's how I feel about the sunscreen. <laughs> and it's good because it's taking care of my skin. You know, I'm getting these benefits out of it rather than just, you know, having something lovely and getting excited about it. So it would be the sunscreen. Uh, I would also trust my life with the Murad Retinol. So their Retinol Youth Renewal Serum, uh, just because it's an incredibly powerful but gentle retinol. So I've never had any kind of sensitivity from it. It works quick. And I just know that if my skin's looking crap, feeling gross, then I can just chuck that on. And I know that my skin will just feel better um, and start to look better. So I love those. And you know what? The Armani Luminous Skin um, Concealer. So these are all very bougie products. Um, but I would trust my life with that concealer because that is something that I know that I can just whack on and it evens out my skin and I don't have to put it all over and it just blends in seamlessly and I just feel good when I've got it on. Some great ones there. And I love the combination of the retinol and the SPF will serve you very well on the island as well. You're looking after yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I should have said like water. (laughs) (laughs) That's a given. We don't care about that. Who is someone that has really shaped or inspired you either personally or professionally? My best friend, Alicia, because she has like a very minimalist beauty routine. She is just so simple when it comes to her skincare and her makeup. She she doesn't even own like a foundation. She's <laughs> She's very simple. So she'll have like a few products that work well for her skin and then if she needs something makeup-wise, then she'll just like quickly buy it. But otherwise, she doesn't really wear anything. And I've always found that just so – I just I just love it. It's so inspiring because I was always on the opposite end where I think, you know, my, my love for beauty and my interest in makeup stemmed from some insecurities where I was trying to use makeup to kind of make me feel better about myself and change things on my face – whereas she has always just been comfortable in her own skin. And so I've always just loved that. And she's always been very inspiring to me. Although I've never told her that. So if she hears this, then, you know, she might cry. Um, (laughs) And then I want to say my mum because she's always loved makeup. And, yeah, she's just, you know, used it in a really lovely way just to, you know, make herself feel good and just play around with some things. Um, So I've loved, yeah, seeing my mum putting on makeup and then also my old boss from when I worked with Anastasia Beverly Hills. So I was only with them less than a year. The vice president of the company, Olia, she's somebody who's kind of 
always been incredibly inspiring to me just with how she holds herself, her work ethic, her drive. She's just such a powerhouse female and it's just so inspiring just to kind of be in a room with her. I was always just in awe whenever she spoke. (laughs) So she's somebody who's I found very inspiring. A very well-rounded group of people there. Now we get to the final product on your list, which for you is a bit of your your kind of holy grail beauty discovery, which which are eyelash extensions. So tell me <laughs> about your love for these. Like I was saying in the beginning, having an eyelash curler helped with making my Asian straight eyelashes stand up. And then a few years ago, I discovered eyelash extensions and that's kind of eliminated the need for mascara and an eyelash curler. RIP to my pink glitter eyelash curler (laughs) but eyelash extensions for me they're just they're so life-changing because I don't have to sit there for 20 minutes curling my eyelashes and then layering on waterproof mascara to hold my lashes in place it's not this you know long drawn out process anymore the extensions are there they open up my eyes I have the curl and the length that I've never had before. And then when I do wear eye makeup, when I'm wearing eyeshadow or anything, the lashes just kind of complete the whole look. So, yeah, they're they're just the best thing ever. And I learned that um, while we were all at home, my eyelash extensions are something I simply cannot live without (laughs) because while we were at home, they had to come off. You know, we were, what, in lockdown for how many months? Like four months. and and for people in Melbourne, a little bit longer now. And so they eventually fell off and I was like, no, I cannot wear mascara. I tried. I would curl my lashes. And I also am not able to use all the beautiful mascaras that everybody else does because they do nothing for me. So as much as I want to use the Marc Jacobs Velvet Noir or, gosh, I don't even know, like a two-faced better than sex, like it just does nothing for me. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll just stick with what works. (laughs) You may have answered uh, my next and final question then, which is obviously what some people say is the hardest one, which is of all the products that you have told me about today, if you could only take one with you to Beauty Island, if the sea is washing them away and you only have time to rescue one, which one would it be? And a bit of a caveat, I'm giving you your SPF so you don't have to choose that one so you'll be safe there. Um, And the one that you choose doesn't have to be practical. It can be for what it stands for, how it makes you feel, all the memories around it. So if you could only pick one to have with you on Beauty Island that you've spoken about, which one would it be? Oh, my God. I'm going to say lip balm. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to pick my lip balm because if I leave the house without a lip balm, which is never the case because there's about 15 scattered somewhere, but if I can't find it on me, I start to get a little bit panicked, like, oh, no, my lips are going to get dry or something's going to get dry. I don't have my lip balm. So I'm going to say that. Yeah. Sorry, mum, with the Calvin Klein perfume. I love you. But I hold the memories in my head, but I need my lip balm. <laughs> Great choice. <laughs> Amelia, it has been so lovely chatting your beauty favourites and journey today. I have learnt a lot, got a few products that I think I might need to investigate further after this. So thank you so much. It's been a delight. Thank you so much for having me. It's just, it's one of my favorite things to talk about products and to talk about beauty. So I could sit on this with you all day and chat about it. Thank 
you so much for listening to this episode of Beauty Island with the wonderful Amelia Singson. You can find where to follow her and, of course, a full list of all the products that she spoke about in today's episode in the show notes. If you did enjoy this episode, I have spoken to a number of other makeup artists that you might enjoy hearing from, such as former makeup director at Maybelline, Nigel Stanislaus, or makeup artist and YouTubers Sharon Farrell and Michelle Crosson. If you scroll through the feed, you will find all three of those episodes, which I think are in the first two seasons. So deep dive and enjoy those. If you fancy chatting more beauty, you can find me on Instagram at Beauty Island Podcast or my personal beauty account at Brittany Beauty BTS, where I regularly share products I'm loving and talk about all aspects of beauty culture and things. Or you can sign up to my regular beauty newsletter, It's a Beauty for my beauty column reviews and recommendations delivered straight to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, bye-bye.